Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Rowan, and along with my wife, Jill, we serve as the lead pastors of a three-small-location multi-site church, C3 Camden, Picton, and Thoreau in southwestern Sydney and the Illawarra. On this podcast, Jill and I discuss all matters ministry and share some of the things we've learned and are still learning along the way in our 30-plus years of pastoral ministry experience. It's our particular hope that this podcast will be of help to small church pastors and their teams and encourage you to continue to minister effectively to the wonderful people that God has entrusted into your care. that we express on this podcast are our own and not necessarily those of the church or denomination that we're a part of. We'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback, any comments or suggestions on any topics you'd like us to discuss in future episodes. To find out more about us or our church, check out the show notes for links to all the relevant socials and websites. So without any further ado, let's get into today's conversation. Hello and welcome back. Hello, I gave you the thumbs up this gave time. Gave me the thumbs up. Thumbs up is how, so Jill knows when to start. <laughs> Transitions aren't really your thing, are they? <laughs> yeah, we try to make it sound like a smooth transition and then we just made it, pointed out all the bumpiness of it for everybody yeah. right now. But we're having fun. Having fun. Hey, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to talk about being lifelong learners. Good one. Good one. Very important. Being keen and open to learn and being uh, curious. I heard this term curious and not conclusive. I can't remember where I heard it. I don't remember where you heard it. It wasn't Paul I Scanlon. Think, might have been. It was. Some, I think it was during lockdown. And I was doing a lot of webinars and spending a lot of time doing some learning. Uh, yes, it wasn't we Paul Scanlon, but he does have. He, if you Google Paul Scanlon, curious, there's really good content he has there about. Yeah, it. yeah, and there was some stuff that I was doing. I felt like, oh, I need to stretch and do something. I can't, you know, while we're in lockdown. Mm. And uh, so there was a whole lot of. So it was. Well, it must have been a couple of years ago, two years ago, because it was this time of year. I remember it was Child Protection Week and I did a whole lot of webinars on child protection and I was basically looked up every free webinar I could find yeah. to do. Keep yourself busy. To, to do because I was only, <coughs> only so much Netflix watching Netflix watching we could do and uh, we were sort of, yeah. We were working folks. We weren't <laughs> watching Netflix. No, no, I'm talking about like after hours. Oh, right, after hours. Because the days were long. Yeah. Yeah. We're only here with each other. So, so curious. What's the thing about being empty nesters? What's, what's the thing about being, I like it, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> she gets well, bored with me and looks no, for other things to do. Of course not. No, no, no. You en- We enjoy each other's company, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do, yeah. We, we don't mind chilling out in front of a television show together. Sometimes we just do our own thing too. So That's anyway, right. what, what do you mean by curious and not conclusive? Why don't you share your I thoughts think on that? Yeah, well, it was interesting to hear that. Made me think that if we have a curious perspective towards things in life, it's it, it changes uh, the sphere that we see things through, changes the angle. I think it makes us. I I realised how when I heard that how 
quickly I am to draw a conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, wow. It was a wake-up call. I went, I draw conclusions so quickly. What if I – and then I started challenging myself and going, what if I don't draw a conclusion on that but what if I decide I'm going to be curious about what that could be? So whatever, you know, say it was some, you know, long-held ideal that I had. I can't think of an example of one off the top of my head. Well, it could be can uh, you think political of stuff. It could be social values. It could be theological perspectives. It covers medical stuff. It covers the full range of, of life really is that we need to stay constantly curious that we maybe we don't have the whole answer. And I think the scripture about renewing our minds as well and, uh, you know, bring this into the spiritual perspective of being people who are constantly saying, God, open my eyes. You know, we, we hear these descriptions about the scripture about uh, scales falling from our eyes, open our eyes, let our eyes be enlightened to know the hope that we're called to. There's something about this thing of, there might be an enlight- there might be another level. There might be an enlightening. There might be something else that we are not yet seeing. And I think if we realise, well, you know what, we shouldn't draw. It's it's okay to have perspectives and to it's know okay who we to are. draw conclusions, as long as we are open to have those conclusions challenged. Uh, at times, mm. keep that hope openness up as though we've not we've arrived and now we understand or we we fully grasp every aspect or every nuance of a particular topic. I think. Curious, staying curious enables us to different see different perspectives, hear different uh, viewpoints than our own. I know one of the things that you like to say, and uh, is you like to say, well, what if you were in a school debate, or what if you were in a, a mock trial, or what if you were in a, you know, what if you yep. saw, what if you sort of saw this as a courtroom discussion, and you saw, you know, the prosecutor get up and and defend and and, and put their case forward. And you're like, yes, 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 I agree with that, you know. And 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 we and this is what uh, the scripture says. There's, that a, actually, proverb, there's a proverb that says, says something like, "It always sounds right until the until, until the, the other side the other speaks." Side speaks. Yes, that's and correct. it's like sometimes we can just be so convinced. But what about being curious enough to go? Oh, what about another side of this, or another side again, or some other side again, or what about another one again? And um, yeah, I just think it's it's a really great thing to be a lifelong learner. We've been talking about this. Years mm. definitely um, from the scripture, which is the word of God. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's it's incredible. It's life to us. We need to be constantly chewing on that and and feeding and letting on it the word. shape us and cha- challenge our perspectives because there, we we have a sinful nature. We have a a viewpoint that is uh, needs to be re- our mind needs to be renewed, as Romans twelve says. So we need to con- let's be constantly renewed, challenged, and changed by the renewing of our mind, transformed. Transform. That's the word I have to be transformed. Well, that's an ongoing process, not a one-time process. It says renewing. Am I not renewed in one instant? Like you come to Christ, now your mind is renewed. No, that process is lifelong, and so keeping open to that lifelong perspective is good. Just to pick up what you were saying about the yes, the reason I, I like the whole high school debate idea is because we all had to do that at some point. We had to sit there and we had to argue, approve a case that we didn't agree with. And so I just think it's a very healthy thing to force yourself outside your own echo chamber, your own perspective, and to actually force yourself to argue the opposite perspective. It doesn't mean that you'll always change your viewpoint. I mean, not, you know, probably 80% of what I believe 
by the time I'm in my 50s, but 80% I'm not going to change, right? Because I'm fairly settled in that. But having that curious attitude helps. So if I can force myself outside and argue a different perspective, it does, it does one of two things. One, I might find I'm wrong, in which case I now have forced myself to hear the other perspective. And even if it doesn't change my viewpoint, what it often does is it gives me a compassion and an understanding for those who hold a different perspective to me. It doesn't mean they're bad people or they're evil people just means that they've come to reasoned arguments which are different to mine. I may not agree with them, but they're not bad people. It's the problem is we have in all the arenas of life, we have people at the far ends of the spectrum who are the most vocal. Most people are just trying to figure out and get through life. So it gives me compassion and understanding, willing to hear other people's perspectives, which makes me more Christ-like. I hope it does anyway, then I become more gracious. So uh, that's kind of why I think it's good to force yourself outside your own echo chamber. Just a person who's conclusive is hard to be around. If you have a conversation across the dinner table at Christmas time and you know, Uncle Joe's just got his political view and that's it and he's not going to enter into any decision and any any conversation that might be even considered a, a healthy conversation is suddenly a, a, a debate or a battle, well, that's not going to help anybody. I can't have a conversation with a conclusive person. Yeah, even from an emotional um Emotional intelligence perspectives and emotional emotional intelligence is a thing these days. Yes, it's a very important and, thing. And uh, it's really it's really great to be able to be have emotional intelligence. And I think when you have that, when you think just thinking about those social situations or talking to people, at, you know, the family at Christmas or whatever, every, in everyday life, I think if you're a more if you're a curious person, you're much more interesting to be around. You are a much uh, more emotionally intelligent, switched on person to be around than that people will uh you know will will enjoy being around you because you're you're interested in them you're asking than, questions rather than giving answers rather than giving answers mm, definitely and i think if we can be those those kind of people not only will we grow but as you say people will want to be around because it's attractive isn't it people who show an interest in us yeah here's some, here's some proverbs just a few random proverbs oh I'm, i just got this out of chat gpt just we were chatting beforehand i said there's lots of proverbs around (coughs) excuse me around uh, lifelong learning so i just said give me a bunch of proverbs about the lifelong learning and here's what it came up with incidentally a good chat gpt is actually a good way to get yourself outside your echo chamber because if you have a certain view and you want to study a different view on a topic whether it's theological or pastoral or you might be thinking about big church small church whatever the issue is you can tell ChatGPT to write you answers that are coming from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So force it to give you an argument that's the opposite to your own. It's very helpful for that because it's written in it, the the AI does that for you. Right. So Proverbs 1.5, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. So there's this sense of wisdom comes with learning. Proverbs 9.9, give instruction to a wise man or a wise person and they will be wiser still. Teach someone who is righteous and they will increase in learning. Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all of that, get understanding. Proverbs eighteen fifteen: the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold to get insight rather than silver. And Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. 
Love those. So that's really relating wisdom in with lifelong learning. Yes, it is. And I think that's the essence of wisdom. Wisdom is a biblical theme. I'm bringing my theology into our Ministry Matters podcast now, but wisdom is a biblical theme that has to do with this constant quest. The, the, The message of the scripture is that God wants to give wisdom to us and we get wisdom through not thinking we know better. Even Adam denied God's wisdom and they said, we know best, we will take for ourselves. And God's plan was always to teach his children wisdom. And so we learn wisdom by being open to learning. And I guess we've always tried to do that, certainly in more, maybe in the early years, I was a bit of an upstart, but but you helped straighten me out in that. <laughs> I remember many times you go, I don't know what I'm doing. And I go, I do. And I didn't, but, <laughs> and eventually it got to that point where I learned the importance of needing to learn. Uh, so we've, we've tried to create that culture of having people in our world, coaches and pastors and people who've gone before us at all arenas of life, when we were small group leaders and when we were doing other roles in the church, always find people in our world who we could look up to, who we could learn from, haven't we? Yeah, and I think that's something that's great about networking. I've Yeah, just as you were saying that, I was thinking even people who we may not have you know, an ongoing relationship with, we might not know that well, but if we know they have a, uh, a knowledge or a skill or something um, that we're really keen on, we you know, we can, you know, depending on whether they put out material or whatever, we can lean into that and sort of, you know, read their book or listen to their stuff or and there might even be an opportunity, you know, to, you know, if, or if we do know them at, at some level to say, look, you know, I know you're a busy person but I'd really, you know, love to grow in that area where what would you suggest if you were me? Yeah. What would you do? What were some steps I could take? Yep. And ask them for some direction, you know, be be um, open in your mind and uh, I reckon that God, you know, I think Pastor Phil says God isn't old. He's, you know, God's always young. God's young. Uh, Mark Kelsey, I think it oh, says Mark, that. is Mark, it? Yeah, God is young. Yeah, I think. God's oh, maybe young. Pastor Phil. And uh, I'm just, you know, I think that that's true. God God loves, I mean, we see this in Jesus. He loved hanging around with, he loved kids. He loved younger people. He was, you know, cool with all the generations and uh, not that it's all about, the young, but I think as we get older, this is what you and I were discussing earlier. As we are older, we have we, we have to be more front footed with this, don't we? Because we are less, we're probably more inclined to be conclusive as we get older. Yes, which is which is normal because we have learned some things and we have discovered who we are and that and and, and become settled in that, and that's a good thing. We don't want to be wishy washy and not know anything about who we are. We need to be established in who we are and know what we're called to and and know some things about our direction and our vision and what, what our values are and all those things are part of growing and maturing. Uh, but I think, you know, it, to think, to, to stay relevant and stay young, like, you know, God, God. Um, Staying fresh. Being yep. fresh, being around the young people, being around young people, but also diverse people, being around people who are not like us or, you know, reading their stories or understanding their perspectives, that stretches us that uh, helps us to be um, helps us to be bigger people I think gets us outside our own uh, our, our own sort of boundary line and uh, I think that we need that I think we can get especially in the western world I think we can in our culture we're very comfortable we're quite insular you know as a generalization it's good for us to we have to sometimes nudge to 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 be able to be exposed to different things that are different, we have to 
look for that and invite that it doesn't necessarily stumble across us we can stay quite comfortable and be you know and be quite protected from that if we you know if we don't if we become conclusive i'm just thinking as you're saying that and it's occurring to me as we get older our intelligence our intellectual intelligence can grow i mean there's very few things that would cause our intellectual intelligence to drop unless there was a brain injury or something but I, I think maybe we assume that just because our intellectual intelligence grows as we get older, that our emotional intelligence will automatically grow. I'm just thinking this through. I'd be interested to see what scientists would say about this, sociologists would say about this. I actually think it's possible that our emotional intelligence could actually go down as we get older. And here's why. Even though we might know more stuff, we might our ability to be able to transfer that stuff, that information, to be able to interact with the society can actually decrease as we get older or as we become more detached from where everybody else or the majority of people are at. You, me- you mentioned diversity, so that, that's that's a good point. Let's just don't worry, even worry about ethnic diversity or, or any other sociological diversity, even just an age diversity. I think as we get older we think, well, you know, I learned that thing in 1994 and it works and it's true. Mm. So I know the truth about how to – do that thing, lead that ministry, yeah. teach that thing, disciple lead worship, people. disciple people or whatever. Yeah. And so we think, well, it worked in 1994 <laughs> and now it's stuck away my brain and it's in our intellectual intelligence but it's not necessarily going to stay in our emotional intelligence because if we're trying to answer questions that 2020s millennials and Gen Zs are asking with our ge- the knowledge we're using to address those questions with boomers and Xs mm. in, not in the 1990s and early 2000s, we have suddenly – the society has moved on and out and we haven't. So it's a whole different language. A different, they're asking different questions. Asking different questions. So uh, Gen X has had different theological questions. Younger generation aren't really asking theological questions. They're asking social-based questions and sociological questions. So I think our information hasn't changed but our ability to interact with and access that information in a way that will help others has will, will fail if we don't become a lifelong learner. So it's not just learning information it's actually learning sociology. It's learning how people ask questions these days. What are the big issues that the world and our people in our church and our care are facing? What are the questions they're being asked in their workplaces and their schools and their universities so that we are trying to actually be able to pastor those people and care for them so that there's, there's a point of relevance there. Otherwise, we're assuming that what was relevant in 1994 is relevant in 2024 and it won't be. Yeah, it helps us to engage. With, with people, I think. And also as pastors and leaders, we have to have some awareness of best best practice for what we do. So yep. even though we might not be the compliance person in our church, we might not be the board member, or we, we might not be the person who has to be completely all over that, we have to have some idea of best practice yes. for the industry that we're in. So we have to understand what is best practice, what is uh, non you know, we could talk about political correctness, but some people say we take that too far. But we've got to be aware of sensitive language. We've got to be aware of what what is the norm in our culture because this is where we live. This is where we minister, and this is the world we're ministering to. And if we are out of touch with that, that's uh, going to seem insensitive to people. It's going to seem like we're not curious about them. That we are conclusive. That we're not. And open. even if we're not, we've given them the perspective that we are. So we've actually shut down an opportunity to bring a valid truth to them because we've written ourselves off, is that what you're saying, yeah. by not being open to hear. Well, it does lead to how how do we stay curious? I think the concept of curious is linked to questions, isn't it? So if you 
you know, a scientist should be curious by definition. Um, a sociologist should be curious. I think as people, we should be curious. As a pastor, as a preacher, I want to be curious. I want to come to the text and say, I, I there's something what in here I don't saying? know yet. What's it saying, Lord? Yeah, I want to learn. What do you, What have you got for me today? Not what you got for me in 2015, but what have you got for me in 2023? So if we can have those question mindset, we come to people from diverse backgrounds. We come to people in our church from different stages of life. And if we're going to be a good, effective leader, we have to be able to ask good questions, don't we? Yeah, one of the things we've talked about a little bit lately, and I think we even said it said it at maybe the, on the very first podcast, we said that we want to be at a stage in our lives where we can say, this is what I think now and this is what I believe and these are my values, however I'm open and it still could change. I'm not, I'm not having arrived. Yeah, I think right. for every day on this earth... While we're saying, Lord, let your kingdom be established through us, work in us, open our eyes, then we have to be prepared that things will change and, and perspectives will change. And that's a good thing. That's an exciting thing. Maybe I was just thinking about our, our friend, our dear friend Mari. It's all coming up to 12 months since Mari passed away, but she was 84, almost 84. Nearly 84, yes. When uh, she passed away last year in Nairobi in, in Kenya she was one of the most on the mission field. On yeah, she she passed away on the mission field. She's from from our local church. We've known her for over twenty years. She was one of the most curious and non conclusive people I knew. And at almost eighty four, she was so keen to learn from whoever was in front of her. It didn't matter where they were from, whether they're from off the streets, which she had definitely encountered people off the streets, or whether they're in. Some of the highest Client levels politicians of politicians and all kinds politicians, of, yep. government, leadership, world, world, global leadership. Yep. She could be, she could hold herself. Yep. And she was uh, relevant. She was fresh. She was engaged. She made people feel in, that she was interested in them and valued. She was, she was incredible. She really inspires me in this way. Young and old, uh, all different people of different walks of life. And she was very curious. And she didn't have to have all the answers to everything. You know, a fun story here I told she had a chance to share at her funeral and she always said she was born BC before computers. Mm. But Mari, rather than just being ignoring that, well into her 70s she's starting to use computers and phones and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and um, I won't tell a phone story because that, that one is for another time. Mm. But uh, she'd come in and she took her years when she first started using computers, she would have um, one document on her computer called Document One. <laughs> and uh, she couldn't work out how to say – she knew how to type a document. She knew how to create a document the first time, but she didn't know how to create new documents. So she'd just type, keep typing on the bottom of the pages of document one. And so document one was hundreds of pages of long. <laughs> and we used to laugh about that. But what it was was this sense of I'm not going to say, oh, I'm too old for this. I'm going to do whatever it takes because – I can tell you the only stuff she ever put on that document was stuff that was about other people. It was her mission work, whether it was her local mission work or her overseas mission work in Africa. She knew that she needed to be able to uh, use tech mm. to do the mission work. She was so determined to keep learning. She was going to keep learning. Mm. She wasn't going to go, I can't do that. She was also determined to help people to develop life skills because she recognised that yeah. for other people to learn. So she was in, involved in uh, microfinancing um, that those kind of things mm. in our nations overseas, overseas with small businesses and helping people helping to equip people, people with businesses. skills yep. and to learn because she realised that that was a key to well-being and and freedom when you have um, you know when you're able to, to develop more a yourself. level of independence yeah 
Yeah, so she was committed to that. So, I mean, a great example of that. And I think if we can determine in ourselves that we're going to be that way. What's some practicals? I'm thinking about, you know, if someone's listening to this and thinking, well, how do I even know if I'm committed to learning? One of the practical things that I've done uh, a couple of times in my life, uh, not recently, maybe that's a sign I should do it again, is I've sat down and wrote a list of topics that I know well and it covers all ranges of life. It can be parenting stuff, it can be financial stuff, it can be ministry, it can be theological, it can be sociological, political, whatever. Just create a three-column list, things I know well, things I don't know anything about, and things in the middle and if you that I know a little bit about. I remember hearing years ago, you know, there's a saying, jack of all trades, master of none. Mm. Master of one. I think, sorry, what is it? Jack of all trades, master of none. That's actually the incorrect way to state that. Apparently the original meaning of that was a, a jack of all trades and a master of one. Right. So in other words, you should have one thing that is your strength, that is your go-to, at least one thing that this is what I do, this is what I'm called to do, this is my purpose in life. And by all means, know everything there is to know about that. But then know a little bit about everything. And so if you have that list, it just opens up. And it's a, it's a live document. You're just constantly adding to that list. But it kind of articulates, oh, I actually don't know anything about economics. Well, do I need to? Maybe you don't need to, but am I interested in maybe learning a few things? Yeah, great. So, mm-hmm. so just staying curious. There are things, practical things you can do. You can just get some online YouTube these days. You can just learn courses. You just watch documentaries. You don't have to remember it. I love watching physics documentaries and, and mm. astrophysics documentaries and all that. And I don't retain much of the maths. Heck, I wouldn't want to be one of those physicists because I'm hopeless with maths. But I can just learn a little bit and it, it keeps me curious. It keeps my brain working. And science has even shown that just that constant learning actually creates new physical neural pathways in your brain, which is actually good for your health too. Yeah, it is. I, I just love to... Well, I'm a bit old school. I love to wander into the huge big Demix store in the cube in the not QVB but in the George Street, in George Street. She in, does in the city, and uh, I love to go into any bookstore. But I love just wandering around and going, what might take my interest today? What might you know? And it just and just wandering up and down the aisles and looking at books. And often I'll take photos of book covers. I don't buy them all, but I'll take photos of book covers, and that you know I have all these photos of things that are I'm interested in, mm-hmm. and then. You know, sometimes I'll just go through all those photos on my on my phone and go, oh yeah, what was that? And who was that? And what was I thinking? And what what made me interested in that? And what have I done with that? Well, something you've done more in the last since COVID than I've ever seen you do in all the years we've been married is read biographies, haven't you? You have become almost obsessive about reading biographies. You want to talk to what your reasons were for that? Yeah, not just biographies. I think just reading again, reading reading lots of things. I don't really know why I decided, but beginning of last year, I decided I was going to have a goal over January to read, just to, to increase my reading and to not and to have, do less TV. And this and was January twenty two. Yeah, and I think I read about twenty books in a couple of months, and then I ended up doing like reading. And I can't remember how many how many I read in the year. You must have read forty to fifty books yeah. in the year, I reckon. So I read. I started, I've started piling them up in my office on top of each other, the paper books. I probably will get rid of them eventually. Um, That's the timer to tell us to shut up. Press the cancel button. There we go. Oh, she started it again. That's right. We've got another 27 minutes. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of that. You keep talking about your pile (laughs) of books. Oh, I just thought it'd be fun to make a tower. (laughs) 
<laughs> Tower of Books. Well, you're book not, upon book upon You're not book. so proud of yourself now. Look how many books I've Look read. Look how many, no, just a bit, for a bit of fun. I do have read some on Kindle as well and I've given some away and things. But um, it's it's kind of good to keep them for a while because it did help me reflect back, especially when they were biographies. Uh, at, it was helping me reflect back. And so what is it about biographies about. especially that um, Well, again, you, you learn about people's walks of, walks of life, what they've come from. I tried to... Find biographies about all sorts of. And I went to the op shops and I went to the Lifeline Book Fair, and so I ended up with lots and lots of. And actually, we got a lot of Murray's books after she passed away yes, too. We did. I've got Murray loved biographies as well, so I've got lots of her books. And uh, not just biographies though, just also some fiction historical, and some non-fiction, yep. historical fiction and some non-fiction, um, all sorts of different things. And it's been really. Uh, I read books on yeah politicians. I, I didn't know much. I don't understand much about politics, so I wanted to understand that more. So and now some, Jill's gone from not knowing much about politics to actually in your in your work and in your social life actually having relationship and coffees with all kinds of politicians from all arenas of life. So you've been able to do that. It's something that you've you've They don't intimidate me now. No, that's right. You're not intimidated. <laughs> Still intimidated by school teachers, but that's another story. That's just just still working through that one. Um so so I think what you've shown there is that commitment to lifelong learning and dedication and openness and transparency to the future. So I think that's a huge... I think reading about history is really good too, understanding yeah. where, what, you know, and things, stuff to do with society. Mm-hmm. And as a pastor too, I've found people have different... Some people will go, oh, I love reading. You know, like when, when you say I read biographies, I just about break out in hives, <laughs> honestly. It's just I'm not a reader. It took me many years to realise that I'm not a reader. And I was drummed up, well, leaders are readers, leaders are readers, leaders are readers. And I used to go, well, how am I a leader when I'm not a reader? And uh, I love in more recent years, I've heard John Finkelty say leaders are learners. And I love that because someone like you who can sit and read, I've discovered and my kids have inherited it from me. I have a, I've never had the diagnosis, but a few of our kids had it and I realised it was me. Uh, they call it expressive receptive mm. disorder or something like that, which means I can read but my, there's a gap between my abilities, what I read and what I take in, what I receive, what I comprehend. Yeah. Right. And so I can read stuff and not comprehend it. Mm. And so reading has never been something for me. But I have learned that I am a very effective audio learner. So I listen to everything. Even if I have a book in front of me, I have Siri read me the book. So what I've done is worked out what works for me. You've done what works out for you. For other people, it's YouTube lectures or, or whatever area it is. And I actually think everybody is a learner. Everyone has the capability to learn. I think the problem is we've squashed into a box and said this is the only way to learn and in doing so we've discouraged a whole lot of people from learning. Mm. So my encouragement to you if this is something you want to do is create a list and then look at different options. Ask yourself, maybe there's some online tests. I haven't got anything prepared here but there definitely will be. If you just Google online what type of learner am I, I guarantee you'll find a whole bunch of tests you can do, do a three or four and, and you'll probably get a general gist of it. Work out how you learn best and then find resources that will help you. And if you're doing, if you're learning on something that you're interested in, you'll sink your teeth into it. So find, your learn, find, your, find the things you want to learn, find the best way to learn and have a crack. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, let's leave it there. All right. She's kicking me out now, everyone. Thank you. All right. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ministry Matters podcast. Hey, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you or you think it could be to others, we'd be so grateful if you'd share it with your friends on the socials. So before you head back into your day, if you could take a moment to like our Facebook and Instagram pages and share them with your friends, that would be awesome. 
You can find us by searching at Ministry Matters Podcast, all one word. And one last thing that just helps the podcast algorithm to work for us. We'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to click that follow button wherever you listen to your podcasts so every new episode will be loaded straight to your device. For those of you watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button and ring the bell so you know when a new episode drops. All the links you need are in the show notes. So thanks so much for being with us today and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode.